We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by The Field of 68. The Illinois Fighting Illini are tied for second in the Big Ten as we record this on Sunday night, February 4th. It was a bit of a rocky path to get there, but that's where they sit. And we're going to talk about the two games this week, including one that just ended about an hour ago as we record this and was one of the more wild games that I've seen Illinois play in a long time. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by my co-host Mike Farmer. Have you had enough time to cool off from whatever the heck just happened at State Farm Center earlier tonight. That was crazy, man. I mean, you go up 10 with under four minutes. I thought it would be just a smooth sail to the finish line. Give up like 11 in a row, I think. You got to hit a free throw with with a couple seconds left. Got to win in the OT. I mean, that, that was pretty wild, man. I think that was probably the most fun game overall uh, since I've been an Illini as a freshman this year. Just glad we got the win, honestly. That was fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Uh, if you like close games, if you like almost choking leads away and having to <laughs> <laughs> almost have a heart attack after a, a choking in the regulation and then overtime, it seemed like Nebraska just had an answer every time Illinois was close to pulling away. But uh, let's talk about that game. I, Illinois played Ohio State on Tuesday, won that one 87-75, I believe. We'll definitely talk about that one a little bit, but it's only right that the, the one that's in everyone's mind right now is the one that just happened so talk about this game against Nebraska this is a Nebraska team that beat Wisconsin and Lincoln earlier this week in overtime but 6-0 and at home for them 0-6 on the road in the Big Ten I came into this game I mentioned last week I'm like at some point come out with some fire at home and play a really complete really dominant game at home because that just hasn't happened since that Northwestern game for Illinois you look at some of these results obviously the flat game against Maryland where you lose Michigan State's a team that's been really up and down, and they take you down to the last possession. Uh, Rutgers hung around, and that Rutgers team put up 46 against Penn State at home this week. That's not a team you want hanging around in your building. Uh, And then Indiana, a team that didn't have Khalil Ware, uh, was tied with you with a minute and a half left. And now tonight, now Nebraska's good. I think they're going to make the tournament, but they've been terrible on the road in the Big Ten. They lost by 20 to Maryland on the road, got blown out by Iowa, Wisconsin, They've been horrible on the road in the Big Ten, winless in conference play, and they could have won this game if Illinois didn't make a couple clutch plays late and Damas gets fouled in regulation uh, and you lose this game at home. So just another one in the line of 
I, I didn't think they played bad tonight. I didn't think they were flat and lacking energy like Maryland and Indiana, but they just couldn't make a shot for most of this game. Up 10 with three minutes left, like you said, and Nebraska takes the lead with nine seconds, and you need a, a, a foul that is questionable for DeMass to go to the line. He did follow him, by the way. I know Nebraska fans are saying he didn't follow him. Watch that replay. He definitely followed him. But it was lucky because uh, otherwise you lose the game. What did you make of this one? I mean, did you think Illinois played well tonight? What what it was the biggest issue? Why was Nebraska able to, to stick around in this one, do you think? Honestly, I think – you can look at how they played, but I think the first thing you get, you got to mention is you get the win. Like you got to protect home oh, court. Totally. They did that in the end. I mean, they they did almost choke it with a couple minutes left, almost uh, lost an OT as well. But they did get the win. But I th- I think just looking back in the first half, even like Nebraska gets out to a hot start. Illinois is not hitting threes. Like overall on the game, what did they shoot from three? It was twenty six percent. They took thirty four threes. I know it's an OT game, but still thirty four is a pretty crazy number. So, I, I mean, you look at a kind of a back-and-forth first half. Like, it seemed like Nebraska had a four- to six-point lead for most of the first half. You cut it close by the end of the half. Second half, again, back and forth. You pull away with a couple minutes left. You're up 10 with four minutes. Uh, after that huge Terrence Shannon Jr. three really ignited the crowd. And then you, uh, Brad calls the timeout. You give up 11 in a row. Nebraska takes the lead with nine seconds. You come back, you hit one free throw out of two, and then you win an OT. But overall, I don't think like like you said a, a couple minutes ago I don't think it was similar to the Maryland or Indiana home games because I don't think Illinois really came out flat to be honest like Nebraska had the lead for most of the first half but they were hitting shots Illinois was just missing a few it wasn't like low energy mental lapses stuff we've seen in the past it was it was different I think Nebraska just played better than us for a majority of the game which was pretty shocking considering how they've played uh, at home versus on the road, 0-5 in the Big Ten on the road so far for them, now 0-6, I believe. Um, you know, like Illinois is favored by 9.5. You don't really picture this being a game where Nebraska is leading mo- much, uh, most of the game, but that's what it was. Just uh, I don't think the defense was particularly bad. I think Nebraska did hit some tough shots. They shot pretty well overall, especially from three. Like Tominaga was just banging threes left and right, contested threes, swishes. Uh, threes from 26 feet, whatever it may be. So I think Nebraska did play pretty well overall. Give Got to give them props, of course. But uh, I think this is a game Illinois needed to win, and I think they did win it. I mean, obviously they did win it. But um, so I think there are some things to take away. I think some guys individually, like I think Coleman Hawkins had a pretty nice game, did miss a couple shots, but overall he was hitting some uh, huge shots at nice times. Terrence had another iffy game he wasn't shooting particularly well but he you can see him get back to that form he's that he had in november and december just a little bit more every game like even in that ohio state game he really turned it up in the second half uh ty rogers continues to be really good i think quincy garrier had a much better game than he had the past two against uh indiana and um ohio state so overall some guys struggled goody and Harmon couldn't buy a shot at any point during the game besides a couple free throws from Harmon. Overall, I think it was a good team effort. Damask played pretty well, of course, throughout. Uh, just good team effort, and it's really good to get a win in front of the home crowd and move to second in the Big Ten. Yeah, definitely. I should have led with that more so than sounding like I was complaining. Like, you win this game, that's really, really good job by Illinois because that was a tough game. Nebraska, like you said, some of the shots they were hitting, my goodness. Like, I, 
I keyed in on Terrence was on Tominaga a lot. You had Ty on him a little bit. Sometimes they kind of got switched where you had Goody or, or even Quincy was on him. But I was kind of keyed in on that matchup because I'm just fascinated with all the screening action that Nebraska runs to try to get Tominaga shots. Thought Illinois did a pretty good job of fighting over those screens, staying glued to him, making most of his shots really hard, and he just made some insane ones. Like I, nothing you could do but just run down the floor and, and do the same thing. Um, that said, I think there were still some some struggles defensively uh, in both of these games. Really, that's something we can talk about a little bit. I this one in particular, I I just think when you go up 10 like that with 321 to go, there's, there's just no excuse for you to have to get bailed out and go to the free throw line to tie the game and send it to overtime. I mean, I, I was telling you before we jumped on this, I need to see a video of what the heck was said in that Brad Underwood timeout with like three and a half minutes left. Cause everything was great. The building was rocking 10 minutes or a 10 point lead, three and a half minutes to go. Illinois comes out of that timeout and the possessions are just horrendous. I mean, Terrence Shannon, I know he just made two threes. I love that, that he's getting his confidence back on his shot after he was like one for 15 took two contested ones that he just didn't need to take that really just ruined possessions. I want to see him attack Damask. I thought was just, you know, he had some plays in this game where I thought he was being really aggressive and I thought he had some matchups that were favorable, but a couple of those late possessions, he's taken some fall away, tough shots that just, I think he can get better shots and Quincy takes a contested three. He just doesn't have any confidence in his shot right now the offensive possessions with three and a half minutes left were horrendous. I, I just don't know. And I thought they were generating some great possessions for most of the game. They just weren't making shots, but th- those last three and a half minutes, they weren't getting good shots. They got terrible shots and they let Nebraska stick around. That's one where you got to pull away overall though. I thought it was a heck of a job to get this win. I think the biggest MVP and the reason Illinois didn't lose this game, Ty Rogers was phenomenal. I, he was so, so good. How many rebounds did he finish with? 14 boards, five of them offensive. He had a double-double against Ohio State earlier. He has been phenomenal for Illinois. Just his activity on the floor. He seems like he's everywhere. And defensively, too, I think he he was struggling a little bit, especially with Terrence out because there was a lot on his plate on the perimeter. He settled back in defensively. I think he had three steals, two blocks tonight, if I'm not mistaken. He was so, so good. He just created so many extra possessions because Illinois was missing a ton of shots in this game. It seemed like Ty bought him a ton of extra possessions that got him some key buckets there to keep pace with a really hot Nebraska team. And in general, I just think Illinois found something that really works with him in terms of just letting him roam that baseline, kind of go short corner to short corner. He's there for a lot of those dump-off passes when guys are driving, and he's also getting a, a running start on some of these offensive rebounds where he's just flying in there and has been so active so I thought he was the MVP of the week really not just this game but both games this week he's not the guy that's ever going to lead you in scoring in a game but in terms of just overall impact when he's on the court I thought he was the MVP and you asked me last week like why isn't Ty Rogers playing more why is he sitting so much late in the second half well we saw Brad Underwood trust him a lot more this week and he's proven that he's deserving of that trust and uh, like tonight I didn't want him off the court like there, I don't sit him for 16 minutes in the second half. Don't sit him for one second. He was so good. So uh, what'd you make of, of his week in general and just the way that he's really found his, his rhythm here, despite some uh, unique ways that teams are defending him. Yeah, that was one of my big talking points last week, honestly, like 
because I know I brought that up. Like, of course, you gotta get you gotta get Terrence Shannon Jr. back to speed, and we did see that in the Ohio State game in the second half, especially. But then we also saw Ty Rogers stays in the game in the second half, and the offense looks really good. Ty Rogers himself looks really good individually. He's scoring. He's hitting the offensive glass like a maniac. And, of course, he's playing some solid defense overall like he always does. And then today, the same thing. I honestly had no idea he had 14 rebounds. And you said five offensively. That's just yeah. insane. Um, I think the offensive rebounding as a whole was elite tonight. I was I was sitting next to, a, I think, a family of Nebraska fans. And they were <laughs> just in awe every time we got an offensive rebound, like, Quincy flying in, Ty flying in, Luke in some uh, off of missed free throws was awesome. Yeah, give Luke a lot of credit. Luke was 0 for 6 in this game, just couldn't buy a bucket, and he was still flying in there on the glass. That's really – it's easy to just get down on yourself. He was – I thought he was good, even though he missed shots. Yeah, he was just creating new possessions too, getting open looks for other guys. But back to Ty, he's just been – like in the Ohio State game, I was firing off some tweets in the second half, like kind of – uh, doing a victory lap on my take from the last podcast. Like, cause we haven't been talking about Ty Rogers enough, like on this podcast, I think. And as like the Illinois fan base as a whole, his offensive game has improved so much from, from this time last year, from two months ago, like he's a totally different animal. Of course. I mean, the shooting's still not there, although the free throw shooting is pretty improved which has been really awesome to see because that's helps when you want to play him late in the second half in case he has to shoot free throws, but just the offensive game, the putbacks, the, I think he's a really good cutter. Like when he's, when uh, the other defense gets into his zones, he's finding those holes. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, always there for putback, just stuff like that. I think he, like you said, he's been the unsung hero and even the MVP of this week, if you want to go that far. So yeah, he's just been, if he somehow develops a jump shot and stays next year, he is – I mean, that's that might be wishful thinking because it's been two years and he's kind of shown he doesn't have that already. But you never know. Even just the threat of a jump shot would be awesome. But, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, make that but the talking point of this Ty Rogers discussion because even Ty Rogers without a jump shot is still a really good player. Yeah, just give me like a twelve footer. That'll that'll make defenders like creep like out like that one to two yeah. that one to two extra feet that they have to respect you from like twelve to fourteen feet. That's all you need. I don't know. I again I think he can still, as he's proving now, if he never attempts another three in his college career, I think he could still be a really, really good four year player for Illinois, assuming he's around for four years. And uh, and yeah, he's just I mean, yeah, I wasn't sold on it. He'd give you you know, you deserve a lot of credit because you were the one that was kind of pushing the train last week. I wasn't totally sold on the fact like, Oh, Ty needs to be out there so much more. They're missing so much with him on the bench in the second half. Well, I was wrong because the way that he's played here recently, I he's been huge and he he's a guy that you don't want to take off the floor in late game situations. Sure. Cause I still give him credit. He's improved his free throw shooting a lot. He's not maybe a guy I'd want to go to the line like tonight when Illinois was clinging to a one point lead. Other than that though, like I think Illinois offense has been fine with him out there, which is something that was a concern. And I think it's mainly because 
give Brad Underwood a ton of credit. He has found some really unique ways to work around some of the ways that teams have guarded Rodgers. They're using him as a screener a ton. Like he, he's a guy that's coming up and setting a lot of ball screens, whether it's for Terrence, for Damascus, and then he's rolling hard to the basket and then kind of planting himself on the baseline where when you've got guys driving hard, he's just sitting there in that short corner, that dunker spot, and he saw he had like four dunks from that tonight. That's so that's such easy offense for him. Um, and, and like you said, I just think he's been more aggressive and assertive offensively and uh, with improved free throw shooting becomes improved confidence trying to finish through contact, which I think he's done a ton. He's not afraid to just go at guys if he gets fouled. Now he's making free throws. I think he's at 68 percent or something from the free throw line, which that's double his percentage from last year, close to it. I think he was like 39 percent last year so. Uh, yeah, he's been he was so good this week and, and just his activity on the glass like he's Illinois best rebounder at six, six playing their point guard spot, which is just crazy to say that a team's best rebounder is their point guard. I know he's not really the point guard, but that's I guess what Illinois calls him. Uh, but yeah, he was he was outstanding. Um, let's see. What else to hit on here from this game? I, I You mentioned Coleman. I thought Coleman had a great game against Nebraska. 20 points, uh, four for seven from three, uh, seven rebounds, five assists. He was making the right reads offensively. When he's just when he has the confidence in that shot, that just opens up so much for Illinois. You, you can tell when he's cold from three, everything is just so much harder for this team. And, and the fact that he's shooting now, I think he's at up to 38% from three on the year. I remember like one of our earlier episodes and we were like, all right, when are we going to, when are we going to like just acknowledge that Coleman's not off. a good three point shooter. He <laughs> shot 28% over three years up 10% in his senior year. That's huge. That's what the NBA wants, man. That's what's going to get him drafted in this draft class. Um, and, and also is just, it's the biggest key to Illinois offense at Damascus. Great. Terrence is great. Those guys are better offensive players. But the key to the offensive success of this Illinois team is when Coleman Hawkins is able to stretch the floor like that and be kind of a hub of your offense, a guy that has the ball a lot. And we've seen him be more aggressive now because guys are closing out so much harder on his three-point shot that he's now driving and really making some really good reads as he's a, an aggressive driver too recently at Ty Rogers for a couple really nice passes. Um, so I thought he was really good. And uh, even Quincy, I thought, had a much better game tonight. He had really struggled for a couple games. Um, the, the confidence with his three isn't really there, but I thought he had some really great attacks off closeouts, and um, I thought he played pretty well defensively, seven rebounds tonight after I think he had like four his last two games. Um, what would you make of the front court against Nebraska? I, 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 tell me if I'm overreacting, but – Obviously, you just acknowledged Coleman had a really good game, like you said. He had 27-7-2. Like, that's not a really good game. That's like all big, like first team all big 10 numbers. I didn't Obviously, realize that. that I didn't realize like his stat line was that points, amazing. Seven rebounds, five assists, two steals from your 6'11 big man. Like, I, I don't know. That's That should be up there with like his Michigan game. I, I mean, not really, but like in the same tier, I would say. And I think Quincy did play pretty well too. Like he had, Quincy had some really nice pump fakes, like, cause he's not really feeling a shot right now from three, especially had some nice pump fakes, got to the hoop a little bit, was able to distribute, uh, get some good looks for Illinois. But I think when Coleman's hitting threes, which he has been, he's such a threat from outside. Like you mentioned, 
But then, like we saw it a couple times tonight, whether he's pump faking or just getting by his guy, he has that really long, like extended, like two step, like drive to the lane, and then he's able to maybe do a like a little, I don't know, four foot layup, or he dumps off to Ty Rogers pretty frequently in that little uh, baseline spot, and Ty can get just a uncontested dunk. So Coleman, huge key to this team. Obviously, we've talked about it like every week. We talked about it when he was struggling in uh, November. Who's the X factor for this team? Who needs to be this team's MVP in the next three or four months? Coleman Hawkins. Like, who needs to be running the offense? Coleman Hawkins. And he has really done it. I mean, for it's been, I think, two straight months now. He's been pretty dominant consistently night to night. I can't get 20 points, seven rebounds, five assists. I can't get over that. That's insane. Like, I think we should be talking about that more. I I, I don't know. Are we, like, are we too accustomed to that? Like, from your 6'11 big man hitting four threes as well? I, I don't know. That's crazy to me. Yeah, no, I didn't realize his line was that good. Like, it, it's just, like, it, it's hard to keep track, especially when you're there, but also just when you're watching a game, like, it's hard to know exactly. Like you mentioned earlier, you didn't realize Ty had 14 rebounds. It's just hard to to know that. I, oh, yeah. I think I no there's idea. just other games where he feels like he's a little more impactful, but he was a, such a key tonight and just some of the big shots he hit from three. I mean, only couldn't buy a three for a stretch there. He was the only one that was making them. Um, I, I also thought he had one of his best games as a passer tonight. He was making really good decisions, especially off drives and, um, and there were even some other ones where he found guys for threes on skip passes and they just bricked them because Illinois was a brick show tonight for most of the night. Um, but no, he was awesome. He was great in that game. And it's great to see that too, because he had his worst game in a while against Ohio state where he was in foul trouble the whole game. And he fi- finally got his first attack. That was, that was a long time coming that tech. I mean, that was a long time coming, but, uh, uh, but Illinois didn't really need him on Tuesday, but it was nice to see him bounce back after he was in foul trouble. Didn't really make much of an impact Tuesday night. Um, but yeah, no, that that line is incredible. Just some of the lines in general tonight. When you look at what Damask did with his 19 points, five assists, you look at Ty with the 14 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, and then Coleman. Like there are some guys that had some pretty crazy numbers here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, I do want to talk about Terrence Shannon for sure, though, because we were talking about it last episode about how he just looked off. He looked rusty. We're waiting for that breakout to happen. It kind of happened in the second half against Ohio State. That was the best by far that he'd looked since coming back from suspension. He was outstanding. I think he had 19 of his 23 points or 18 in the second half against Ohio State, and he was doing it all three levels. Finally found the shot, uh, getting to the basket at a couple and ones there, getting out in transition. Ohio State's one of the better transition defensive teams in the country, and it didn't matter. He was getting out and running for the first time in a while. Um, And then tonight – you know, I didn't think he was great, but he made some shots. He made a couple big shots before he was settling there early. I thought he was aggressive getting to the basket and still the assertiveness that we saw against Ohio State that hadn't really been there. I thought he had that. And really, there were a couple drives where he missed shots at the rim where I thought he got hammered and didn't get a call. Even one that Brad Underwood got a tech on. So uh, I, I still thought, you know, he looked more like the Terrence Shannon we were used to, even if he only went six for 16. Um, And I think he went seven for 17 on Tuesday. So the efficiency is still needing to come. But I thought that these two games this week were by far the best that he'd looked from an offensive and really a defensive standpoint as well. Um, And and that was great to see. And, And really the second half against Ohio State was the main thing that that was the old Shannon. There was a glimpse there about a 10 minute stretch there where that was the Shannon pre-suspension. Do you think he's back? (laughs) Is he back after this week? Do you think? I think he looks better overall. I'm talking mostly offensively here. I think he looks better. I think even in the first half against OSU, I want to say he was one for six or one for seven, something like that. But even his shots, like, they're contested. He's getting to the hoop, though, and they were just rolling off the rim. Like, those were all pretty good looks, thinking back to that Ohio State first half. And then the second half, he had that stretch. I think he had two threes, layup, and and one, something along those lines. Got up to uh, double digits pretty easily there. And then today, I, I don't love him taking 10 threes, especially in his – is this his fifth game back from suspension? Even if he's hitting three, like that's solid, but I, I think he should be trying to get to the hoop more. I think especially towards the end of the second half, like some of those threes, he was just kind of settling. Like I know he hit a couple, but I want to see him maybe pump fake and get to the rim because even a foul is huge. Like getting to the free throw line is awesome. That's pretty much free points for Illinois and Terrence most of the time. But um, I, I think he is getting back to his former self a little bit. I think in in transition, he's still dominant. He's just not finishing, really, because he's getting absolutely hacked and hammered, um, like we saw in the first half that led to the Tech. But um, I think think he's going to keep building on his games, like every game. I think this game against Michigan State is going to be huge because going on the road, it's going to be a really tough environment. We'll see how he is. But I think these two games this past week are pretty encouraging. I know, like you mentioned, the efficiency is not really there. I think he did take a couple too many threes today, but those are kind of minuscule details we're focusing on. I think he is, he's not back to his all American self first team, all American self just yet, but I think he's getting there, honestly. Yeah. It just feels like he has his legs back underneath him more. Like even the shots that are missing, aren't just clanking and coming up short like they were for three games. And, 
Um, and I think that he's starting to get more confidence, even though I agree with you. I thought he settled way too much. He was a little loose with the ball a couple times tonight. Again, I didn't think he was great tonight, but it's just you saw some shots start to go. The ones that didn't go looked good. Um, and I thought that he was aggressive and he got fouled. How many free throws did he shoot? Only six. I thought he should, probably should have shot 12 uh, on some of the drives that he had. Um, but it just, I think he just looks better. Like it is, it's almost hard to like break it down more so than it's just a feel thing and a way that it, it looks. And obviously you had the numbers to back it up on Tuesday night where there was no denying that he looked like his old self in the second half. Um, but even tonight, I just thought he looked a little more comfortable. His legs are back underneath him. He didn't look as rusty. It was more so just he couldn't make some shots, and he settled a little bit, which I think is fixable because we know what he can be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think this is a – I'm not going to declare him all the way back because I still think that there's another level that he was at. You think back to Missouri and FAU, like has not reached that yet coming back, but he's – took a giant step forward because this time last week when we were recording our episode, he looked broken. And after this week, he at least looks like an all big 10 caliber player and a guy that's starting to regain his form a little bit. So I thought that was really great to see from him. Um, but you mentioned, yeah, on the road and we'll get to the Michigan state game in a little bit, but yeah, on the road against Michigan state, it'll be interesting to see because we saw what the environment was like against Northwestern and we had absolutely nothing to go off in Columbus because that place is a library. I mean, there's that—that <laughs> that is the worst environment I think I've ever seen. Maybe Michigan is Michigan, just as bad, yeah. but those two are just dead right now. Those two programs. I, what in the world has happened? Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Ohio State game a little bit more in depth if you want to, because I think there was a couple interesting things that happened in that game, such as the freshman got some minutes late. In the first half in that game, you saw Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn, Monty Hansbury make an impact, and Dane Danger. And really, honestly, you could throw tonight's game in there as well. He actually wasn't a complete negative when he was on the court. He made an <laughs> impact. He actually was helpful in Illinois getting that win against Ohio State. Truly, he was a huge part in that game because Coleman got teed up, had four fouls, was in foul trouble, just didn't have it. And Dane very good performance, seven points, five rebounds, had a couple big buckets, but really the key is we know he can do that on offense. The key was he defended at a respectable level that kept him on the court. And, uh, and so that was nice. So just to see some of the depth shine through in that Ohio state game was interesting because we've seen this rotation really get shortened to six with Terrence out and seven with him back. And uh, he saw three more guys in Dane, Dre and Amani come in that game and make an impact. And really all three of those guys helped Illinois win because they were all pluses when they were on the court, which hasn't been the case at times this season. So I, anything of note for you on, on those three making an impact uh, on Tuesday night? I just want to go back real quick and make a quick point about uh, TSJ. Sure. Like we saw in the second half against OSU, all it takes is a couple plays like, get him in transition one time, give him an open court, he'll dunk it. And then he'll be like, he'll be, uh, have a ton of energy defensively on the next few possessions. All it takes is a couple plays. He's a pretty streaky guy in terms of when he's getting his buckets. Like he'll be quiet for like six to seven minutes and then he'll, uh, get two, two or three buckets in a row on a couple possessions for Illinois. So in some of these upcoming games, like Michigan state and these other, uh, road games, like, 
all it's going to take is a couple plays, hit one three, get in transition one time, and I think he'll be back to his former self a little bit more each of these games. But uh, uh, back to your talking point, I think Dre was awesome against OSU, like that one possession defensively where he did get the foul, but nobody really cares about that because – Terrible call. Yeah. No, that was horrendous. <laughs> Come on, man. Just, that was, yeah, no, that he was, was a killing foul it. for clamping too hard. That's what that yeah, foul was. That was terrible. No, but that's awesome to see. Like even tonight when he checks in, there's a almost like a standing ovation because the fans just want to see him. Like he's he's so um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. But um, like when he checks in, there's just a buzz. Like because you know he's probably going to be shooting a three on the first possession that Illinois has offensively, and then if he makes it, he's going to go all out on defense. Uh, I think Dane was actually pretty good tonight. Besides the missed dunk, was I thought that was going to cost us. It kind of did cost us in the end, but we. I mean, we did get the win, so I, I can't really complain once again. But, uh, yeah, when, I mean, when he gets the ball in the low post, he's a good player. Like, that's not his issue. It's the defensive uh, effort, like just being out of position, stuff like that on defense, which he was better at against OSU. He was pretty clutch, like you said. And then Amani, the and one, he had an and one, right, against Ohio yeah, State? Yeah, that was awesome. That was good to see because he really hasn't played for almost two months, honestly. So, I mean, these three guys – you're probably going to need them at some point over the next next month and a half if you want to go far in March at some point, if you want to win tournament games. You're not going to be needing them to play 10 to 15 minutes every night, most likely, most likely, unless somebody's in foul trouble or something like that. But these guys, I mean, they're high four-stars, all of them. They're respected guys. Um, if they can get you one bucket a night, if they can get you a stop on defense, that's all you need from them. And we've seen that a bit the past two games, which has been really encouraging. Yeah, I think they all give something just a little bit different too, which is it's just nice to have those pieces in your back pocket um, if you need to go to depth because there's going to be times, especially if you're talking about a long postseason run of some sort, which is obviously the hope. Like there's going to be times where we saw Tuesday night, Terrence in foul trouble, Coleman in foul trouble, Quincy just doesn't have any confidence. Like when you're playing a six, seven man rotation – most of the time it's probably going to be fine. There's going to be games though, where you just need something different and Illinois needs to have guys they can rely on and to be their eighth, ninth, 10th guys. Uh, I'm not saying that those guys are going to make a, a huge season changing impact on the, on the year, but you got to have that type of depth, especially when that's something that we kind of hyped up coming into the season was the depth on this team. And that, you know, the rotation has really shortened here. And part of that is obviously Terrence's situation and just these older guys that are very reasonably the guys that Brad trusts. No one's out here arguing like, oh, Underwood's an idiot because Gibbs Lawhorn and Hansberry aren't playing. Like if you're saying that you're not watching the team, Um, no one's saying that, but you just, it's nice to have those options. And I think they each give you something a little bit different because we know obviously Dane gives you an offensive spark and and a post presence that Coleman just isn't. Um, and, And really it's just, like you said, the key for him is, can you not be a complete negative getting exploited left and right defensively, which he wasn't in both games this week. I thought he actually was fine on defense. That's what he has to be. We know that he can rebound. We know that he is a really good low post player. That's not his problem at all, but it's, it's a different look at the center spot that Illinois has. Gibbs Longhorn, like you said, is just kind of an energy igniter. Like if, if you're flat, we saw it against Indiana. If you got guards in foul trouble, 
and you need some intensity on the court, Dre's going to give you that. Now, he might miss some shots. He might take some shots that you don't want him to take, but you're not going to question the fact that he's ready to play and he's going to bring energy to the floor. Um, and then Amani's just a little bit of a different big than Dane in that he can kind of play in the perimeter a little bit more, and I think he's a better def- defender. Um, so if you just want a, a drop coverage defender, I think D- Amani as a freshman is the better option than Dane. It's kind of crazy, but I think Amani's look pretty solid. Um, but yeah, that was, it, it was cool to see that, to just have, I, I've just been wanting to see, like, again, I'm not complaining at all that these guys aren't playing, but it's nice to see that you have these options. Cause I just think the more quality options in your rotation you have heading into the postseason, heading into March is the better. Um, because I do think that when you're playing six or seven guys, there's going to be a time where three out of the six don't have it, or you have two guys in huge foul trouble and someone else going to have to step up. Uh, so that was good to see. Yeah, even today, like Justin Harmon, 0 for 5 from the field, and then Dre Gibbs-Lohorn still only gets two minutes. Like, as you mentioned, Brad still trusts these guys, even when Harmon's cold, even when even when Goody's cold, they're still getting minutes over these guys we just mentioned off the bench, which I think a big thing in March is having a short, compact rotation because a lot of teams that sure. went in March only, like, they're not playing uh, 10 man rotation unless you're like St. Peter's a couple of years ago or something going on a Cinderella run. Well, that's not really what Illinois is trying to do, but I mean, yeah, there's no downside to having guys like Dre and Amani come off the bench for a couple minutes a game, like really great pieces to have off the bench. Like people, I don't know if other people are forgetting this or it's just me, but like these guys are, I think Amani was ranked top 70, 60 in his class. Uh, Dre was, I know this was two or three years ago, but he was like top 10, a five-star in his class. Like these are super talented pieces that Illinois kind of just has stashed on their bench, which nothing really wrong with that. Like I just said, like they're really good pieces to have if you ever need them. But yeah, I, I think it is really fun when they do get in and hopefully maybe there's some blowouts over the next month or so. Like you're playing Michigan at home. You're playing Please. Minnesota yeah, I've been begging for that. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of the being down one with nine seconds left, guys. But uh, yeah, if they get in, it's it's really fun. Like pretty much every time. So I mean, I don't have much else to say about that. Yeah, I'll say this right now um, before we move on here. Like we'll have an we'll record another episode before the game. But Illinois plays Michigan at home on Tuesday, so a week from Tuesday. If they're not up 20 at the under four timeout in the second half, I will not come on the episode and say, well, win's a win. Credit them for pulling this one out. No. If, you, if you're if you not blowing Doug McDaniel list Michigan out, who's 7-15 and 15 at home next Tuesday night, then we're not going to have the, like, give them credit. They, they pulled this one out. That's what good teams do. No. And that one, I want to see Nico Moretti, AJ Red, Max Williams need to get some run with three minutes left in that one. Like, please, man, please, uh, man, yeah, just just show up at home. Like, that's really all. Across college basketball, home court has been so like it always is. In college, home court's huge. This year, like, if you look at like if you're a better or if you're looking at some of these home road numbers across college basketball, they're insane, especially in the Big Ten. I just feel like Illinois hasn't really been great at home. I feel like some of their more complete games have been neutral or road this year. I guess the tournament's on a neutral court, so that's uh, that bodes yeah. well. Give me, give me those neutral games. I'd, I'd rather have neutral games in the NCAA tournament than games here in Champaign. That's where I'm at right now. Um, let, let's just uh, real quick here. Do you before think we, we have a in, home court advantage? 
I mean, yeah, but it's just, I don't I don't get it though. Like, and I understand. The orange like, is dead silent, man. I don't like. Yeah, it. no, I I get it. I mean, I think like tonight, I didn't think it was bad. Um, if especially for a game where it was so back and forth, I thought there was some energy. But I, it's not one of the top tier environments in the country at all. It's, it's just um, not. Yeah, I agree with that. But but at the same time, like that doesn't really excuse how flat Illinois has been at home either. I just I don't really get it why Illinois almost comes out better. I feel like their starts are better and they're more energized on the road in Big Ten than at home. I have no idea why that is because even even like an average home environment, it's still a home environment as opposed to going to Northwestern or Michigan State or. I went to Purdue, although they were terrible to start that game. Bad example, but I, I don't understand. I don't understand the home struggles. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It just seems like we're not really hitting shots at the start. And then it seems like this, like we wake up at the start of the second half to go on a little run, get drowsy in the middle of the second half, and then we have to like turn up with eight minutes left or so, like in the Indiana game and the Rutgers game and this game a little bit too. Like I don't know. It's just weird, like you said. But yeah. tournament is uh, neutral sites, road sites. So, I don't know. Maybe that bodes well for Illinois. Yeah, they're two neutral games so far, FAU and Missouri. If they play like those two games, they're winning it all. So, uh, <laughs> neutral site might be the way to go. Uh, before we preview Michigan State, let's just kind of feel like every week just need like a, a big picture reset of where the team is at now. I mentioned at the start, tied for second in the Big Ten at 8-3. and three. 17 and five overall heading into February that we talked about last week has a soft schedule here. And you got through one of the harder games you're probably going to play against a decent Nebraska team. So head into February, I know Michigan state's going to be tough, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily want to have like a, a, what are the big 10 title hopes conversation? Because to be honest, I feel like Purdue is going to win the conference. I feel like Wisconsin, Wisconsin had to win today to have that conversation because I just don't see more than like one loss on Purdue's schedule the rest of the way. Um, But just in general, like where this team is at right now, Terrence Shannon has been back for five games now. Illinois has, I mean, they've, they've gotten the job done here recently. What have they won now? They've won three in a row, five of their last six. I don't know necessarily how I want to frame this question, but I just feel like big picture wise, are you content with where this team is at? What's the biggest thing you want to see here in these next couple weeks? And and just how confident are you that this team, as we sit right now, is a true final four, whatever you want to preface it as, a, a true national contender? I honestly don't like I think big picture resume looks good besides the fact there's not like a very marquee win. I think F, beating FAU on a neutral court is still a big win, but with their struggles, like obviously they're a good team. They have the talent guys that went to a final four last year, pretty much all returned, but they've had some weird losses. So that puts Illinois in a weird spot. Like, is that win still that still really good? Like I can't tell. So I think if you somehow beat Purdue at home, that would be awesome. If you beat Wisconsin on the road, that would be awesome. But other than that, like, I don't think there's many more chances left for Illinois to get a marquee win, which you kind of want heading into March just to know this team can, like, compete with the best, can beat the best. Because I think Michigan State is a very mediocre team. If Tom Ezzo's not their coach and Michigan State's not their name, 
they are probably not even on the bubble at this point, but somehow they're like 22nd in net, top 20 in Ken Palm. So I, I don't get that, but... That's the thing, though. Like, 22nd uh, in net, true road win would be a pretty marquee win, even though it, it feels would be gross. Awesome, but it feels so gross to say that. I don't think they're that. good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, back to the bigger picture point, like, 17-5, and five, second in the Big Ten. Um, one bad loss is what I was going to say. Like, the Maryland loss sucks. But even then, they're fighting for top 75 in net, which would make it a quad two loss. So, technically, not even that bad. I think they're, like, 80th right now. They could easily get to top 75 if you really care about that difference that much. So, overall, maybe one bad loss. Like, you would want to get the win over Northwestern. You want to beat Marquette at home. Tennessee would have been really tough to win. Purdue would have been really tough to win. Like, I don't really have complaints. I just think it's tough that the Big Ten is so weak because you don't really have chances for these huge marquee wins that often compared to the past couple of years. Like, the past couple of years, you go beat Ohio State. That's like an easy quad one tier A win. You go beat Iowa on the road. That's an easy quad one uh, top tier win. That's just not the case this year. Um, but – I think going back to last podcast, we talked about this eight-game stretch late January and all of February. You've won two already. I think the the win over Ohio State, the win over Nebraska, are two of the two of the top four hardest games in that eight eight-game stretch, along with I'd say the road uh, road game at Michigan State, road game at Maryland. So you've taken care of two of the top tier teams in that eight-team pool already. Yeah, it didn't look great at points, but like still. Uh, in terms of resume, you got the win, so it doesn't really matter. So I, re- I really don't have too many complaints. I just want to see this team stay hot in February and somehow pull out a win over uh, Purdue and or Wisconsin at some point in March. Yeah, in terms of like tournament standing, it's very interesting because you look at the resume and it doesn't really impress you very much at all. When you throw the quad three loss in, I think they have three quad one wins now, but two of them are Michigan State at home and Ohio State on the road. So, like, again, those just feel like when when Illinois won those two games, you did not feel like, oh, that's a massive win for us. No, it's just whatever. I mean, Michigan State being 22 in the net, I don't understand that at all. I get that they're talented, but they have not played well. So I would love to know why that's the case. It probably is. They're 2-7 in quad one. Yeah, exactly. There's like a – a baked in like little piece of the algorithm that you can't really see. That's like, are they a brand name program with a hall of fame coach? Okay. Bump them up like 15 spots. Uh, That's about the only explanation I have for that one. But that said 22 in the net, if you beat them on the road on Saturday, your best win of the year, that is your best win of the year in the framework of how the selection committee judges wins. So, Hey, go get it. I mean, they're beatable. We just saw Maryland gave them a game in East Lansing, um, that'd be a big one. But, yeah, you don't have a marquee win opportunity until you go to Madison on March 2nd, um, assuming that Wisconsin keeps playing at the level they are. They've lost two in a row now. Both were tough games. I still think they'll be in that upper echelon where if you go on the road to Madison, that'll be a huge one. And then Purdue at home. Um, Those are your two chances. Um, And and other than that, like I think I've seen Illinois pretty consistently on the four-seed line. Honestly, kind of surprises me a little bit. I, but just looking at this resume, if you give me a blind resume, I'd say five or six seed. Looking at this Illinois resume, some guys have us as a three seed, like Lunardi on ESPN has us like eleventh. I want to say, which is oh yeah, three seed. 
Uh, he must have moved him up over this after yesterday, uh, all the games yesterday. I thought they were a four on Friday, but they're at three now. That's even more crazy to me. Um, but yeah, really, it, again, we said it last episode, like this stretch is really like, I think at Maryland and at Michigan State would be solid wins. Other than that, like you just got to take care of business. And if you lose, that's doing a lot of damage to your resume more so than it's helping you. So I think Illinois just needs to tread water here for the next month in terms of just not taking another bad loss, hoping that Maryland figures it out a little bit and sneaks into that quad two territory. I don't know how much of a difference that'll make, but um, it'll make me happy in my head because Illinois hasn't lost a quad three game since Miami in 2019. So uh, that'd be pretty impressive to not lose a quad three game for five years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's again, it's just uh, – you just got to get to March because that's going to be your opportunities. Those last three games of the regular season are going to pretty much determine like two or three seed lines for you. And then obviously you get into the postseason. But February is just about surviving and maybe getting one of these two road games at Maryland, at Michigan State, um, and, and not taking a bad loss. But um, let's close it out unless you have anything to add to that. I'm just thinking back to the Miami game. I remember I was in – driver's ed class like sitting in this like dead silent room like kids are studying like the rules of the road and stuff and I was on my phone pulled up I had bleacher report like watching the uh the game like game log whatever it's called and I saw like Illinois has this massive comeback and then was it Io that had like a charge or something yep yeah I almost like threw my phone that was brutal but um honestly I think just win at least one of two of Maryland Michigan State and then beat Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota, Iowa. And I think you're smooth sailing. You're sticking around the four, three seed line, honestly, if that's where the bracketologists have us. And I'd be pretty content with that. And then it, it all comes down to Madison and at Homer's Purdue. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I th- honestly think we do win at least five of the next six games. Yeah, let's hope, uh, especially these home games against average teams, just please just give me a blowout or two. That's all I want. Um, but uh, they will not be at home on Saturday. A nice little week off here, which I've always played a ton of games here in recent stretch. It's been every episode we've had for the last month has been two games, two games, two games. Next episode, we'll only have one game to talk about because Illinois has got the entire week off until they go to East Lansing Saturday, 1 o'clock on CBS. Uh, Michigan State team, we've already mentioned them a bunch in this episode, a team that they're 14 and eight overall, six and five in conference. It's just, it's a, it's a team that is, they're talented. I think they're in this terrible Big Ten. I think they're a top five team in this conference, but they are very, very beatable this year, pretty much wherever you play them. They've been better at home, just like almost every team has, except Illinois, seemingly. Um, but they've still been beatable there. James Madison beat them there. Wisconsin handled them there. We just saw Maryland who can't score to save their life, give them a game uh, on Saturday. And so Illinois should have a very nice opportunity to pick up what would be a pretty good looking win somehow um, by going into East Lansing and beating this team. I already saw them once. Is this the first rematch? Oh no, Rutgers Illinois already rematched Rutgers and Northwestern. I'm an idiot. That's the third rematch. Uh, I thought it was the first rematch for some reason. I'm, I'm very dumb. Um, but point being, Illinois seen this team already in Champaign. Know what to expect a little bit. Obviously, the guard play is, is the catalyst for them because they're 
front court is horrible. Um, but their guards are talented. Tyson Walker uh, is, a, is an all Big Ten first teamer. A.J. Hogard kind of cooked Illinois here in Champaign off the bounce. Um, and with Illinois' struggles on the perimeter a little bit, that's going to be a matchup to watch for sure. But uh, keys to this game, do you think? What, what did you take from that first matchup that kind of made that one close here in Champaign that Illinois is really going to have to focus on on Saturday? Honestly, like you mentioned, I think Hogard's a solid player. Like he did give us, give us some issues in Champaign like a month ago. But Tyson Walker's the key. Like, don't let him go for 30. Like, you think back to that game a couple years ago in East Lansing where he just, like, I think he must have dropped, like, 20 points in five minutes towards the end of the game. He just cooked us. Illinois still won, I'm pretty sure. But, like, he can get going at any point. He can hit threes. He gets to the hoop really easily. He's a really good all-around player. But, like, the rest of their team, like, I'm not scared of Malik Hall. Their three or four big men are all absolutely horrible. Um... Cohen Carr is really cool. I actually really like Cohen Carr off the bench. Like, his athleticism is scary. And I, I'm just, like, blanking on who, whoever else they have. Like, I can't even think of, like, Jaden Akins. It's a solid player. He's not going to kill you unless he gets really hot from three for some reason. They're a good team. They're not a great team. They have not performed well this season. Tom Izzo's still a good coach. But I think he kind of did it to himself with, like, his roster construction. Like, I just don't get their big man approach with their front court and stuff like that. He just I, said, I, no, I, thank you to the portal. He just said, I'm good. I'm not doing And that. he doesn't, and he recruited like a top 10 big man that he doesn't play because he's not ready. Like, so what was he doing in the off season? I don't know. I think Illinois is better than this team. The being on the road hurts a little bit, obviously, but I think Illinois can pull out this win as long as Tyson Walker doesn't get super hot or anything like that. Yeah, Walker's going to be the key uh, because he's one that can light you up. He didn't play great against Illinois and Champaign, but based on the struggles Illinois had on the perimeter against some of these guards, I'd be a little nervous about that matchup. I think Shannon has started to look a lot better on that end. I would assume that's probably going to be the matchup early for Illinois is Shannon trying to stick Walker, so that's going to be a big test to see where Terrence is at in a road game. Um, and what should be a hostile environment there for him. Um, I would assume that's going to be the matchup. And then you're also going to have to find somebody to stick in front of Hogard because Hogard's more of the downhill threat. Walker plays more on the perimeter, really good shooter. But Hogard was a guy that was kind of beating Illinois to the basket, had I think 19 in Champagne, and he missed a couple bunnies too. He could have easily had 25. Um, so it's really just the guards. I mean, I have no concern about that front court whatsoever. In fact, I think Coleman can have a heck of a game. Um, trying to exploit some of those guys on the offensive end. We saw Izzo tried to stick Sissoko on Ty here in Champaign, and Ty was outstanding. I would imagine he's probably not going to do that here based on how Ty played in that game. What I will say is I did think Michigan State overall defended Illinois' offense pretty well here in Champaign. That was one of their worst offensive performances of January other than that Indiana slog. Um, so Michigan state's a good defensive team. Like they're 18th in the country in defensive efficiency. Some of the recent games they've played have been these slow grinders. Like they held Maryland to 54 on Saturday at home. Although Mar it's not much of an accomplishment, Maryland offensively, my goodness, are they bad? Um, but, but the point being, they're a good defensive team. 
And uh, Illinois' booty ball, I didn't think really had a ton of success against them comparatively to some other teams, even though they have some smaller guards and some matchups you kind of like. Damask got going a little bit in the second half, but Illinois really beat them from three in Champaign to win that game. They got some open looks, um, really moved the ball well, and, and I think they've been doing that in general. Like tonight, thought they got some great looks from three, just didn't make them. They'll need to go into East Lansing and make some shots. Otherwise, it could get dicey. Um, but I'm, I'm a little torn on this game. I, I do want to give Michigan State a little bit more credit just in terms of this is a home game and the guard play, I think, can give Illinois some trouble. Um, so I'm, I'm torn on this one. But I do think the key is just going to be can Illinois stay in front of those two guards, stop those guys from really getting hot um, and, and bringing energy to that home building. And then obviously Illinois offensively is going to have to make shots create offense. Terrence, Michigan State didn't see him in the first game, and the way that he's played here the last couple games give me confidence that he can start getting going again and that his shot's starting to fall, but at the same time, this is going to be his second real road environment that he's been at, and uh, the game against Northwestern did not go particularly well for him, so that'll be a test as well. Um, but uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think this is Illinois' toughest game until they go to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think that's a hot take by any means, but this is, uh, is Illinois' toughest game until March 2nd, in my opinion, and uh, it'd, be a, it'd be a huge one to get. Um, I'm just a little torn on it. Uh, do you have a prediction for this one? Are you, uh, you seem a little more confident than me. Yeah, I think we win. I just, I don't know. I think we're due for, I it's so weird, like we mentioned, like it doesn't feel like a big game because they're like 12 and 8 or whatever their record is. But I think we're due for, like, something like another marquee win, if you want to call it that. So I do think we win, like – what was the score of the game in Champaign? Was, it was, like, 70-68. 71-68. Okay. And, I don't know, we've been scoring, like, 80-plus recently. So I think they hold us to, like, a pretty similar score. I honestly think it's, like, 72-70 Illinois in the end. Where are you leaning this game? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's tough. I think – I, I agree on one end that I think Illinois hasn't really played their A-plus game in a while and, and just had that complete team performance where they've been great from wire to wire and beat a good team, um, like you said, had more had a top resume win. Same time, I don't necessarily know if going to East Lansing is going to be the place where that happens. And the other angle, too, is that Michigan State needs this game bad because they are on the bubble. Like, this is a bubble team this year, and they pretty much have two more opportunities to get – I think they have two more quad one games on their whole schedule, this one and Purdue at Mackey. Good luck winning that one. Um, you're playing eight on five there, so uh, – <laughs> 46 to 8 what a despicable. Twitter Twitter has been uh, has been God. a place this week with the with watching some Purdue hoops I'll say that um yeah. but uh, had to had to get that dig in there but uh point being Michigan State will not win that game I will say confidently Michigan State will not be going to Mackey on March 2nd and winning so they need this game they have to have this game um and uh, and it's going to be massive for their tournament hopes and so that's why I am going to lean their way as much as I don't want to. It feels like it's been forever since I picked against Illinois in a game. So it's only right. And uh, I will gladly be wrong if I am. But I, I 
it's just a tough road game. Um, and like I've said, I mean, home road in college basketball as a whole has been insane this year. I just think Michigan State, it's a, it's a close game. It only gives them a, themselves a chance like they have in a lot of these road games. Um, but uh, ultimately, Michigan State's the more desperate team here. Uh, and those guards make some big shots at home while Illinois misses some on the road. And uh, Michigan State, I'll go – I think it'll be kind of a, a similar score, like you said. I think Michigan State wins this one 73-69, um, so right around where the first one was at, uh, if I have to give an official prediction. hope I'm wrong, though, um, because it would be a big win for Illinois. I just – I didn't realize that Michigan State needs this. They're going to be desperate. That means Illinois has got to come and really match that intensity because you know Michigan State's going to show up for this one, treat it as their biggest game of the year. Um, but, uh, yeah, any uh, any last thoughts before we wrap it up? I, I don't totally know, like, what is on Michigan State's resume right now. I know they're 2-7 and seven in quad one games, and like you said, they got two left, but I feel like the committee is such a joke. They could lose this against us. They could lose against Purdue and just sneak in, be in the oh, playing game and in. go on a little run, like just because. Like the fact that Michigan made that tournament a couple of years back and then went to the Sweet 16 drove me crazy. But besides the point, uh, one I don't know. I want to see somebody do the Jacob Grandison game again where he hits like five or six threes in the first half. Like hopefully Terrence does that. I don't know. That's all I got to say. Yeah, who would? Uh, yeah, Terrence would be a. Who Maybe else would be a, I don't know. Who else would be a candidate to just have it? It'd have to be. Terrence is too good for that. It'd have to be like a role player that just explodes out of nowhere. Harmon's a good one. Yeah, I think it'd Maybe be Goody. Harmon. Harmon or Goody would be the guy that would would do that. I think Luke is due. He's he just his shot hasn't fallen a ton here recently. I know he made some shots against Indiana. He's been in kind of a slump. Was zero for six tonight. I think he is going to go in there and have a big game. I, I, I He's due to make like five threes in a game. I feel like it's been a long time since he's had like a 15.53 game, if he even has had that. Um, that's, a, that's a good call out. But, um, yeah, no, Michigan State, they'll get the, – it, it'll be the perfect storm of like they'll be right on the bubble on Selection Sunday and the committee will be salivating like let's put this team in Dayton, get some huge play-in game ratings on that Tuesday night. Uh, and just sneak him in there to keep the Tom Izzo tournament streak alive yet yep. again, even though his roster is really average. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope Illinois gets this win. It'd be a big win for him, um, even though I uh, am more on the pessimistic end on, on this prediction. But uh, that'll wrap things up for us on this episode. Make sure you go drop a follow on our Twitter account, at Champagne on Ice, for some Illinois Hoops content. We post our latest episodes on there every week as well. You can watch live whenever we go live um, every week on Twitter. You can also do that on the Field of 68 Podcast Network YouTube channel. Subscribe to that to never miss our episodes and the other team pods on the network. And, of course, you can always catch us on every average podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. Uh, We are there And uh, we'll be back next week to recap that Michigan State game, preview a couple more games uh, the week after, and and talk some more Illinois hoops as uh, the meat of this season is really underway here. You get into February, and you feel like you're starting to race towards that finish line, and postseason bracketology talk is right on the horizon, and uh, that's where we're at right now. Illinois is in a pretty good spot. 
would be in an even better spot if they can go into East Lansing and get a win. We'll be back to break it down next week. But for now, everybody have a great week. Go Illini, and we'll see you next week on the Champagne on Ice podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.